0: Welcome to Hiraith, the home of modern Welsh politics. 2022. Historic years have come thick and fast recently, but in a year in which the UK lost the monarch, went through three prime ministers and war returned to Europe, it will surely be up there in the history books. Inflation also hit highs not seen for 50 years as a cost-of-living crisis engulfed the UK. Meanwhile, in Wales, where in comparison, not really much of anything happened, good old stable policy for you there, which we'll discuss a little bit now. We turn to 2023, and we've seen the retirement of the person many consider the true Prince of Wales. But will the rest of the year be as infamous, or will a period of political sobriety emerge in a year without any major UK political elections? Tonight, the Here i team look back a little at a roller coaster year and look ahead at what 2023 could bring. Rich, what did you make of 2022 in the political sense?
1: Well, chaps, uh, it's a pleasure to be taking part in the latest end-of-year review pod of any podcast in the United Kingdom. Uh, we've actually waited until the second week of January to get around to this. You've already mentioned in the many takes on that intro, Matt, that uh, 2022 was a roller coaster year. The way that I see it is that it was the year that a lot of chickens came home to roost. And I'm not just talking about avian flu. I think that the reality is that so many problems that were just being kept under the radar or were barely peeking over the radar in the United Kingdom, and in Wales, uh, particularly over the last decade or so, finally were shaken up to the point at which we had to pay serious attention to them and that the public really started to feel the pain of inaction on behalf of various different political parties um in various different governments over the years and uh, you know you can look at the trigger factors obviously the war in the ongoing war in ukraine is horrific and having terrible global impacts not just economically but also environmentally but i think people will look back and feel that more should have been done in that time. And then when, of course, we get a shock, an inflationary shock or something else, it's all taken a very, very delicate balance of people just about keeping their heads above the water financially, just about keeping the balance right. And now we are the other side of that and everything is in tumult and it is very, 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 very bleak way to end 2022 and to start 2023. Um, and has anyone got anything cheerier uh, to add on top of that? Matt? I mean, no not really
2: cheery no <laughs> Kerry, anything cheery what watching from the sidelines if it wasn't so serious was amusing to see the conservative roller coaster i think we can agree on that it it was uh, as a historian I, I think it was such a tumultuous year it is going to go down in the history books like you know the monarch the whether you like it or not the pageantry all everything that goes around with that and then the, the Prime Minister roller coaster that uh, Westminster took us through. It's just an absolutely bizarre period. But you said in the introduction, Matt, in one of your various introductions, I think, <laughs> sorry, Wales was a kind of, you know, it does seem like nothing happened in Wales, but it does, for those of us who look at it, there's lots goes on all the time, and a lot of it is good, and there's legislation, but it just doesn't catch the headlines back to that kind of thing around you know the welsh media spotlight but you know you look at it day in day out you know was there anything a big ticket item in wales that we missed last year which compares
0: lots of things announced kerry i mean if you look at things like the social partnership and public procurement bill um that should now be completed by march that was announced last year lots of good legislation announced but nothing really Delivered on. And that's not to say there's been a failure of delivery. That's just to say that things are in progress. Things are happening, but they're not necessarily coming through. I think the same thing with big constitutional workings, like the Constitutional Commission that we've seen the interim report of recently. Lots of things are happening, but there's not a lot of things being delivered on just yet. So to answer your question, no, I think 2022 is a bit of a transition year. It'll stand out in the the history. Books because of the death of the Queen and the fact we had three prime ministers. But in terms of actual the policy side of politics, I don't think you'll remember a lot from the Welsh perspective. I think most people will remember the mini budget, which led to the sort of dire economic consequences we now see.
2: What about in Wales then? So we had a local election in Wales, and whichever way we look at it, and we focused back in May on it for quite quite a while in various pods. You know, it it did really cement Labour as the grand party of Wales, didn't it? It brought them back into electoral success, which had perhaps been on the wane in recent elections.
0: Labour country, isn't it? One party state. One party state, (laughs) Labour country. Um, The people of Wales, in their ultimate wisdom, continue to elect Labour governments. I mean, also a big thing that not only was it a big victory year in the local elections for Welsh Labour... Uh, but it also was the year that we celebrated, and I do say celebrated, 100 years of Labour electoral victories in Wales, a uh, feat unparalleled in the whole of the democratic world. Great year. But in real, realistic terms, yeah, the, the, the local elections were just a, a continuation of the, the electoral success that Mark Drakeford and the Welsh Labour Party had seen the year prior in the Senate elections, and I think to a greater or lesser extent still sort of, riding that Drakeford wave into the successful uh, elections in May. Obviously, you saw a few changes to that, local issues affecting Neath. We saw Labour lose control of Neathport Town, but, but otherwise a very, very good year, uh, winning control of councils, albeit you no know, overall control, such as Monmouth, now being the governing party in Denbighshire, in the Vale of Clamorgan, results that you ne- necessarily wouldn't have predicted And I think it shows that Labour are on a very good track and looks set to win a significant amount of Westminster seats when that election eventually happens.
1: Oh, yeah, I I would definitely agree with you there. As you recently commented to the New Statesman podcast in your Hirath capacity, I I think it's fair to say that the loss of Monmouthshire for the Conservative group was quite totemic, and I think that will have really shaken up conservatives in wales and in the way that things are standing i think i don't think it's unfair to say that 2022 was the year that the conservatives lost the next uk general election now i say that the conservatives will lose the next uk general election and i will dig out my prediction klaxon uh, to insert here at some point but i think that that's the way that it will be framed because again i don't think that the lay party across the border, is doing a particularly good job of winning the next election. I think in in all likelihoods, it will win because it is the default alternative to the Conservatives. In Wales, I think the question is is a genuine question about whether there is a complete wipeout of Conservative members of the UK Parliament in the next UK general election. At the moment, if you gave me that bet, I would probably take it. I think that, um, you know. former guest of the pod in its previous form Faye Jones is possibly one of two conservatives who might hold their new newly redesigned seat but for her it's particularly difficult given the shape and demographic of that new seat the only other one being Craig Williams up in um I always get this one wrong it's in English it's show, isn't it
0: right. Glyndour.
1: and Glyndour in the new seat that's right and um it is a I, I would say that it is possibly the one. I would say that's the most likely. Ernest Morn, you know the classic three-way tie. In Ernest Morn. I would expect that to go either to Labour or Plaid Cymru, depending on which way the the um, the candidates go in that constituency. We know who the Plaid Cymru consist- uh, candidate will be, and the question is whether Labour can find somebody who will be able to uh, challenge Rhun ap But I think even if they are successful in the Virginia Crosby-led Freeport bid. Um, up for, Ernest it's more, um, I don't think that that is going to be enough in absence of any great nuclear victory for her that the Conservatives will hold on to that seat.
2: You two have gone completely off script and we're looking way ahead. Although Mark Drakeford wrote or was quoted in a recent report saying Welsh Labour on a Westminster war footing, there's virtually no chance unless there's some kind of implosion of the Conservatives of having any election this year even twenty four, I think. What's the latest they can have it? Is it January twenty five? Early twenty five. Early you know, twenty five. Yeah. They're gonna, they're gonna eke it out. And until the fat lady sings, you know, you, we don't know. You know, I, I said to you, to you on the pod before. While you got good employment and people are able to kind of pay the bills they've got, and the cost of living is hard at the moment, but employment figures are still good. I'm gonna berate you both for going off script because I clearly put in the script. It was a great year for one particular policy, and I want to give Welsh Labour credit for something, and I've told you both to ask me about the policy of UBI in Wales. So can you follow the script you've been given?
0: Oh, very well. Kerry, one of the uh, biggest things to happen in in Wales this year, of course, was the uh, UBI pilot, or the Care Leavers Plus pilot, originally a Green Party policy. Are you glad to see that? being implemented well it's funny you should mention that matt
2: but yeah (laughs) i i I do think that is a policy which we should recognize in a look back at the year there are other things going on but it is uh, a green party policy for a long period of time i think a few good friends of the pod john williams and the like on ubi lab have worked incredibly hard uh, as have a number of others to get that kind of ubi process into welsh government and I think credit to Welsh Government, because I think it's not UBI as the big policy is, and we looked at, but just as a care leavers policy, I'm incredibly impressed with that. I think we're helping the people in society that really need to be helped, and it's the beginning of a process on the UBI journey. So I think we need to recognise that. I think that could, over the next decade or more, turn out to be a real turning point in uh, you know social policies in Wales and hopefully wider afield. And sure. I'd like to thank you for uh, for bringing that up there, Matt. Which we, we move on a little bit. Um, huh. You know, the one party we haven't talked about. We've obviously talked about Conservatives, um, we talked about Labour. A little bit of Green there. Well, we'll we'll come to the Lib Dems. But um, Plaid, What was what was the the year like, Rich? It was um, local elections. Wasn't really a huge a resounding success. There's been a few kind of shall we say, governance issues the latter end of last year. And um, Will Hayward, who we've done a bit of work with lately in one of his columns recently, has said that he doesn't think Adam may see out 23. You know, what, what do you think about that?
1: Uh Yeah, well, I think you have to take uh, Will at his word. He's not going to make a comment like that without some substance to it very quickly looking back at the local election it's not nothing to be running four councils in wales um you know ask any either the liberal democrats or the conservatives whether they could run four councils in wales and they certainly would like to very much but the problem for Plyde, well one of the key problems for Plyde is that they have essentially the key problem for Plyde electorally at the moment is that they are only finding success in the areas in which they have had traditional success which are the west and northwestern areas and that's where the roots of the party go the deepest and you know that is just a matter of fact the project to grow support outside of those areas where you become the most electable politician is not making any progress the second preference politician that still seems to be where Plaid Cymru are in a lot of the valleys for example and you see you see plied Candidates returned on regional lists for South Wales Central, South Wales West, South Wales East. So that project that was the great mission under Leanne Wood of spreading the support base for Plaid Cymru appears to have stalled, and that is a problem. it it is a problem of political direction, it is a problem of leadership, and it is a problem of candidate quality and candidate resourcing, campaign resourcing in those areas, because an awful lot of ploy campaigns in Welsh Wales or British Wales, uh, to return to our three Wales model uh, map, is problematic for the party. All of that said, it is amazing that that is not the number one issue in Plaid Cymru at the moment. And the core problem with Plaid Cymru at the moment is that the place where they have the highest concentration of legislators and staff in the Senate in Cardiff Bay has deep problems within the organization. And is difficult to talk about this in a way that we would like to, in order to fully discuss some of the problems that are going on there. It is definitely the case that there is a problem of culture, there is a problem of cliques, and there is a problem of inappropriate behaviour in um, the Plaid Cymru group in the Senedd. And of course, this isn't to mention of the fact that they also have a a Member of Parliament as a Member of Plaid Cymru who's not sitting as Plaid Cymru MP for reasons that, you know, frankly, most MPs would have considered their job and potentially stood down. Out. And that is going to continue to be a problem for Ply Cymru at the next UK general election and may, you know, it's a relatively small matter in the given the context of the individuals involved, may lose them a seat that they might be hoping to win uh, in the future. So I think you look at Ply Cymru from the outside at the moment, and it perhaps it, it probably isn't on most people's radars because, you know, it's a, it is it is possibly the only wales only party out there as far as i'm aware it's the only significant wales only party out there um and most people don't look at wales only news people don't most people don't look at wales only wales only politics so they might not see it being in turmoil but i think beneath the surface there are people within plai Cymru recognize that there are a lot of problems um And that's not to say that there isn't talent there, not to say that there isn't ideas there. And we've seen some of that through the cooperation agreement with Welsh Government. There are some genuinely good things that have come out of that. But my word is, there a lot of work to do for Plaid Cymru, particularly in the Senate context.
2: You know, before we move on to 23, you know, there is that party we weren't going to mention, the Lib Dems, Matt. You know, what what kind of year have they had in the Senate? From my perspective, I think down to. Uh, Well, not down to, because it's been one member for quite some time, but a new member in Jane Dodds. I I think it's been quite a secure year for Jane, really, keeping the Lib Dem flag flying. Do you you agree?
0: Yeah, I think Jane is a very good, very effective backbench parliamentarian, but I think that the new electoral system that we will see Means that it's hard to see how you would elect any more Lib Dems in the next Senedd. Um, if you if you think of how Lib Dems grow their electoral base traditionally, it's through local elections. Uh, by the next local elections in Wales, twenty twenty seven, you'll have a Labour government in the UK. Potentially more money for Welsh government. It's hard to see how they do how they build from that. If that Labour government's popular, if that Labour government isn't popular, that is where you can see the potential for Lib Dem growth. Going to the fighting elections to the left of the Labour Party again in cities that's traditionally where they found their growth areas in the mid two thousands it's where they'd likely find them again. But yeah, I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily be overly optimistic if I was a Lib Democrat at, at the moment going forward into the future. But that's not to say that whilst Jane is there, she won't do a fantastic job. And also going back to the local elections, you now see Powis, which is the majority so the largest group in. in Powis Council that is in charge of the governing coalition of the Liberal Democrats. So again, they've had a good year in that context but it's hard to see where they grow past that. Um, Obviously Kerry, me and you have talked ad infinitum about the prospect of the Liberal Democrats winning the seats in Montgomeryshire and Brecon and Radnor. Uh, Maybe that happens when there's a general election but again I can't see it happening, personally.
2: And Powis, if you look at the local Facebook forums is having a nightmare for that new administration, Awkward stuff going on, but of course it's not just the uh, Lib Dem. I believe the deputy leader's Labour, so you know it's not an easy position to be in. But I, I thought you would have mentioned there, Matt, the Lib Dem str- uh, strong points in the past have been somewhere like I don't know Cardiff Central, where Never they've gonna had, happen. where they no, but let me fill where hmm. they've had Senate members and members of Parliament in recent years. But last year's local election, um, you know, really reaffirmed that uh, the second-place party in Cardiff Central is uh, the green plaid Common Ground Alliance. Um, just wanted to make sure you are aware of that changing of the guard in Cardiff Central. Yes,
1: yeah, the candidate quality is what's making the difference there, I'm <laughs> led to believe.
0: I do agree. Uh, the thing is, Kerry, this is hyper-local Cardiff politics for our listeners there. So in Cardiff Central, the reason that the Lib Dems used to do so well is that Conservative voters tended to vote Lib Dem to stop Labour winning. And a lot of those conservative voters were pro Brexit, and following the Lib Dems' position, that like, you know, changed to be so pro EU that they were pro second referendum, or even pro just rejoin if they won a majority. Those Brexity conservatives in Cardiff Central are never going to vote Lib Dem again. Not well, not to the extent that they were, do pre, were doing previously, anyway. So that's mm-hmm. why it's hard to see Lib Dems fighting back uh, in Cardiff Central.
1: And, and similarly, the same pattern is true in keradigion or Caradigalong as the new constituency will apparently be called. That's definitely what Shireen said on the pod, yep, wasn't it? Um, you know, it, I think it's very, very unlikely that we'll see a Liberal Democrat MP or even, you know, at a Senate level either, win keradigion back again. That is probably going to be a plied Conservative or depending on exactly how the boundaries shake out applied Labour in some some areas, local areas. Uh, I, w- I would agree with you on your analysis, but with regards to Jane Dodds, I think she's actually been very good. But you wonder where those candidates for the next election are going to come from. You know, we've spoken to Kirsty recently on the pod, who was possibly the last great Welsh Liberal Democrat pa- parliamentarian Um uh, and you know there aren't there's not a huge list of people that are waiting to take that. Although you know, honourable mention to all of our former guests,
2: who may turn out to be one um, uh, uh, in the The, Bre- the, Bre- the, Bre- the Brecon and Radner candidate is, uh, has come from Gloucester. Not <laughs> want well, I go into that one again.
0: Ah, uh, you all sound like you're from Hereford there. Anyway, you be, be fit. You'll fit in fine. I don't mind. I love
2: Hereford. But I want to drag you into twenty three because you know twenty two had all that going on, but 23, 23 has an awful lot of issues rumbling along as we kick the year off. And a lot of my day to day has been, and we're recording on Tuesday, the tenth. Is it has been around looking at health in Wales with FM questions, looking at a lot of a lot of health questions. Uh, the minister making a statement on winter health in wales but health across the uk is going to be a massive issue now for for the winter months you know where do you see that matt you know industrial relations are at a low point none of the nations in the uk have really got a good industrial relation
0: position with the the health unions is it a winter of discontent across the board ahead it's an impossible situation realistically for the welsh government Uh, they they, they lack the economic levers of the Scottish and UK governments to raise any significant revenue to to stop this industrial action taking place the the most the Welsh government could raise if they added an extra penny onto the income tax is around £270 quid. for every 1% you add onto public sector pay it costs you £100 million so It is difficult to see where the finances come from to pay for the additional pay, which, don't get me wrong, these public sector workers deserve. It's it's incredibly difficult to see where that money comes from without the UK government spending more money and Barnet consequentials being given to the Welsh government. It's an impossible situation. I just don't see how it it happens. And Plaid Cymru today coming out saying an 8% pay rise is is possible. Trust us, we've seen the figures. I'd love to see where they where they where they get their figures from, because it's just impossible given the constraints on the Welsh government budget. I'm sure absolutely every single Labour MS would want to give the nurses, the ambulance drivers, the pay rise they deserve above in, matching or above inflation. But until we have more financial control and fiscal levers here in Wales, it's just not possible. If, and if you say it is, you're telling the Welsh government to take money away from other frontline services to pay for it. And I think that more money should be spent on frontline services. But it's just an impossible situation, Kerry. I know you spend your day looking at it and looking at how bad things are getting from a sort of primary care and you know frontline perspective. But I, I, I on the finances, I just think we we are we're in such a long circular argument about this in Wales. We just don't have the money. Nor the financial levers to raise that money to do anything about this situation, and that's horrible, but it's the truth.
2: You've got a fear at the moment, and it's not just not just around the industrial uh, relations side of it. Even if we resolve that tomorrow, that doesn't then resolve the kind of pressures on the system that all areas of the the UK are facing. You know, there's wider issues around workforce training, the private sector. You know. You know, I'm very much someone who believes the NHS should be a public sector the aspect, but some of the things coming out from UK Labour on where they might take um, the NHS, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how those develop over 23, because as we just talked about, the next UK election is Labour to lose. But there are a few points in just the first 10 days of January where you wonder if they are aiming to lose it, because they they don't have to say anything and they can walk it in. But they do seem to in the times to try and score own goals with some of their kind of key supporters. But, Rich, one of the things which I'm interested in is, you know, health, I think, is a poison chalice for those in government at the moment dealing with it. And 23 could be the year that Wales looks to elect a new FM. Do you think holding the poison chalice... Could be a problem for a leonard if she was interested in the FM role?
1: I'm going to do the opposite of what I did earlier, Kerry. I was guilty of looking too far ahead and enjoying the theorising about what might happen in the next UK general election. I am increasingly confident that we're not going to see a new First Minister in 2023. I think it will be 2024.
2: Well, we look at Wales in 23. You know, there's a few uh, UK wide, if not um, more global issues. You know, cost of living is the other big issue at the moment. Energy prices, be they the fallout of Brexit, inflation, whatever. These are going to be a major feature of the rest of this winter, if not the rest of 23. And those big-ticket economic issues can only really sit at the door of Westminster and the Conservatives themselves, really. Do, Do you think there's a way in 23 they can turn those around or is it just going to be a hostage to fortune Matt no Rich
1: well I I would say on inflation I think that the forecasts suggest that even if the United Kingdom government does very little we're likely to see inflation reduce over the course of the coming year which will be good for everybody but I don't think it's either a result of proactive management by the United Kingdom government or is it necessarily going to help ameliorate the, all of the other terrible economic things that are happening?
0: Inflation isn't the only kind of economic crisis, by the way. We are in recession. As you know, the continual detriment to our economy of Brexit keeps chunkering on, so that's bad. The, the trade impact that it's having on Britain is unbelievable, and we'll start to see a massive impact uh, on goods export and imports into Wales, so that's terrible for our economy too
2: well Ooh. that's a that's a positive economic mm. uh point right i'm going to drag us into wales you know wales it's it's a it's a welsh labor government that but i think we forget uh a lot of the time but it, it's done through a cooperation agreement you know let's go back to health what's the health of that cooperation agreement at the start 23 <laughs> do, do you like that segue i did there boys very really
1: nice yeah. very good very yeah, good very
0: good I yeah, yeah, yeah. God,
1: uh, i um, would say uh it's not quite an A but it's maybe thinking about dialing 111. Is that fair, Matt?
0: Yeah, it's currently thinking, can I be willing to talk to the receptionist, the GP? I think that fundamentally it remains, uh, again, using uh, visual cues on a podcast, terrible. I'm viewing inverted <laughs> commas strong because uh, fundamentally both parties need it. Labour need plied votes in order, well, or plied abstentions in order to pass their budget without this cooperation agreement very little of Plaid's policy platform would be implemented. Um, I think fundamentally the cooperation agreement has sort of neutered the potency of Plaid Cymru's opposition to the Welsh Government. But I think that they have continued to call for tax rises because they don't want the pot of money that the Welsh Government are already in charge of to be reallocated away from Plaid Cymru-approved projects that they got as a pro- as a product of this cooperation agreement. So that's why you see them keep asking for tax rises. This is why they say they could pay 8% without really providing any uh, figures on it. So I think that that is a big issue. I don't think Labour particularly enjoy the fact that they're getting crit- crit- criticized as heavily as they are by Plaid Cymru. I mean, that is their job as an opposition party to hold the government to account. But you can sit, you can tell from the interviews we've had with people like Jeremy Miles and Vaughan that there are undoubtedly um, some tensions in that agreement with Plaid Cymru constantly pushing Welsh Labour in order to act faster. And I just think that if you look at the economic landscape, you'd probably see some of that cooperation agreement that massive cooperation agreement fall by the wayside uh, that is much more likely than seeing the welsh government move faster and spending more money on any of the policies uh, suggested but they're in
2: earlier on you mentioned the right you know we we talk about things and things are
0: happening but from that
2: cooperation agreement and the wider program for government have we got anything, any big ticket items in 23 legislation or policy which will be delivered
0: we can expect to see? I mean, the big one last year was free school meals. This year, I suppose, so much of what's going on in terms of self-catering properties and to- and tourism levies will be uh, one of the big ticket items as a, co- as a consequence of the cooperation agreement. Obviously, the continuing work of the Constitutional Commission. There's lots of long-term work in that cooperation agreement, things like a social care plan and continuing work on second homes etc so i don't think you'll see anything necessarily tangible but you will as always with welsh government see a whole raft of consultation documents uh, relating to policies within the cooperation agreement so keep your eye out for that but i don't think we're expecting anything massive beyond what we've already seen consultation for
1: yeah reports will be written shelves will be stacked
0: i didn't
2: mean I didn't mean to give you a, a hard uh, question there because i I looked before the pod to see if there are any dates around some of the big ticket items I'm interested in like the the national energy company and things like that thinking it might be this year they emerge um, and I couldn't but um'
0: on, know, that, <laughs> on that on that on that policy area, Kerry. There is lots of Welsh Government statements coming up on renewable energy targets and stuff stuff like that. So I think that information relating to any Cymru will inevitably come up during those statements. So I think if you're interested in the uh, National Energy Company, keep your eye out for those. But I think that the Welsh Government are about to see quite how difficult it is to get renewable energy uh, projects built in Wales. So good luck to them.
2: Especially when the feed-in tariffs are uh, controlled somewhere else completely. Anyway, Leads us into next week's energy pod, actually. But you mentioned constitution things there. And um, you know, the UK constitution remains up in the air. It's gonna be a driver and a media uh, issue throughout 23. But unlike the Brand Commission, let's mention Northern Ireland here, because we did mention in the intro, but no, there won't be any major elections. But Northern Ireland will likely go to the polls. I'm not sure where they are with it, but it is gonna be this year. Rich, you know. You know, Ireland is one of our kind of interesting areas of the pod, always done quite well. Have you got any thoughts on what we can see in Northern Ireland? Uh, Well, it
1: it wasn't that long ago that there was an election that meant to happen and the Secretary of State for Northern Ireland essentially introduced uh, a uh, a very short-notice legislation to extend the period at which there could be no uh, effective executive in the Northern Ireland Assembly. It wouldn't surprise me... If they try and do another short term fix to try and push it a little bit longer again, there is a a rule of politics, I think, that the uh, Republican Party are finding out in the United States at the moment. And that rule is that shenanigans beget shenanigans. And all of the stuff that happened around Brexit um, and then the David Frost stoking of the unionist fires in Northern Ireland has now backed the DUP into a political corner where it is essentially the gatekeeper to the reinstatement of any kind of government in northern ireland in the executive there and that is the problem for the united kingdom government unless the united kingdom government gives them everything they want they are not going to go back into power sharing and that is a massive problem for northern ireland and the people who live there
0: you're also highly unlikely to ever see the dup agree to be a deputy first minister behind a Sinn Féin first minister. Even though there's no constitutional difference between those roles, I cannot see that happening. Um, So maybe if the UK government introduced legislation to get rid of the deputy first minister title and just have two first ministers, maybe that might grease the wheels, but also I think Rich is fundamentally correct. It doesn't really matter what happens in a Northern Irish election, because there are issues that block the way from executive forming that are so significant that any election is is just basically a, a good excuse a good exercise in wasting paper and we just see no executive no. Uh, after that election anyway right um, and so are we going to talk about
1: uh what is on the i hear from people knocking doors is on the the conversation on the doorstep of every politician in wales at the moment which is you know the end of a tenure of a future generations commissioner and the difference that has made to people's lives uh over the last uh decade um kerry do you want to walk us through this one
2: you know you you know you know that i'm a a big fan of the Wellbeing of future generations act i think if it can be done in a way where it really takes the short-termism out of national and local government politics is great for what we've had in the first seven years i'm a supporter of it but if you read my article in the iwa on the first seven years you'll know i think that uh we need to have a bit of a pause and review, a step back. So it'd be interesting with new um, Commissioner, Mr Derek Walker of the Wales Cooperative Centre or COMPASS Group, if you're familiar with that kind of uh, sector in Wales, what Derek does uh, taking the, the legislation and his role forward over the next seven years, because I think it could be a make or break period for that particular approach to legislation, but um, it is a big change. I think it could be it is a groundbreaking area for Wales, and where we are leading, that is something we've got to our bow. But, you know, is it delivering on where a lot of people wanted it to? I'm not quite sure if we're there yet. So we're
1: into wrap then. Uh, And uh, as we wrap, we've mentioned this earlier in the pod, uh, the what's many people would agree, uh, the retirement of the true Prince of Wales, uh, Gareth Bale, was announced just in the last few days. Shall we finish with uh, our favourite Gareth Bale memory? Any anything leap to mind, gentlemen?
2: I, I got goals galore. The the one where he ran off the pitch, the overhead kick in the Champions League. But for me, it's um, it is commitment to Wales. Not not so much a goal. Or anything like that. It's his leadership. He's, you know, we've had great stars in the past, and you know, the recent one is Giggs. But Giggs always had that thing where it was the suggestion that he didn't turn up for everything. And the thing with Bale, he's turned up for everything, even when injured. He's been there on the sidelines, and he's dragged that group of players who probably had no real right to to get to the semi-finals of the Euros or even a World Cup. And he, he's done that, and I think he's been a magnificent sporting servant for Wales. I don't want to eulogise, boys, but uh, 33. I wanted him to go for another four years. I don't know about you.
0: I uh, have nothing but love and respect for Gareth Bale. And one of the reasons I have so much respect for him is that he knew when it was time to say goodbye. He knew that his legs weren't capable of allowing him to perform at the level he wanted to be and become accustomed to. And his love for his country shone through in that he knew that he couldn't carry on anymore and it was time for the next generation of attacking talent to come through and and replace him. This now gives Brennan Johnson an unbelievable opportunity to take his rightful place on that right flank and build for the future. I think as much as I love the the Bale and Allen and Ramsey, they did not have a good World Cup. And I think a lot of that was because we were Getting, using the tactics to sort of m- make it work for those three rather than trying to play the best kind of football we could. So I think that one of the most endearing things about Gareth is, is just like that you said, Terry. His obvious love for his country, the fact that I will never, or at least not for the next 10 years or so, have to go abroad and people go, where's Wales? His mere existence and his brilliance has meant that Wales as a country in national and international reputation has grown beyond belief so i agree with you Kerry. that it's 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 much beyond his incredible goals and, it, and it's a testament to the man of, of what an amazing man he is rich
1: Yeah, I mean, I think he should get the St. David's Award for services to the top knot. Uh, I think he's probably much the only human being that could carry that off. I will give a shout out to, uh, I used to be a a photographer pitch side at Wales Football Games. I'll give a shout out to Neil uh, Roberts at Dragon Soccer, who uh, very kindly got me the press pass. And I was there for uh, Bale's first home performance for wales uh, at the um at uh, the millennium stadium um and at that point it was quite clear that he was indeed the rolls royce for player that everybody uh, said he was yeah w- we'll we'll never see his likes again uh, well actually let's not say that let's say we hope we see his likes again because uh, that's what what Welsh football really needs
0: i'm currently thinking rich that what we need to do is build a colossus of road sized gareth bale statue in Cardiff Bay
1: I think you'd probably get popular support for that right now but it possibly would be the most popular thing that Cardiff Council ever builds but wish him the best for whatever I'm sure he's a listener let's wish him the best for whatever he chooses to do next and whichever golf course it's on and um uh that you know we find more Gareth Bales that you know his his legacy will be to inspire more players uh of both the men's and women's game to represent their country
0: right we've 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 idealized over Gareth Bale for long enough so I think that brings our look back and look ahead pod for early 2023 to a close I just want to as always thank Mr Richard Martin thank you Matt at Mimosa Cummery. didn't even let me get the sentence in did you and I also want to thank Kerry Davis where can people find you on Twitter Kerry Uh, Remain Kerry the Viking thanks Mark wonderful and you can find me at Hexta 101 H-E-X-T-R 101 and if you've enjoyed what you've heard this evening please don't forget to find here I've, on twitter and facebook at here I've pod go to our website www.walespolitics.com if you're listening to this and there's tickets available we are doing a live podcast firstly uh, an interview with mick lynch the rmt general secretary chaired by Cyril griffiths as well as following that a live recording of the here I podcast uh, chaired by myself with shav taj general secretary of the welsh tuc and sarah murphy uh, ms uh, tickets are available on Eventbrite and also if the easiest way to find them is if you go to our, any of our social uh, media sites, they'll be at the top of those pages there. But thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Hear If you like what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review.